0: should just another team yeah. show. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Beery Interesting podcast. The podcast where, amongst the rain and rumblings of East London, we take 20 minutes to sit down, pour ourselves a nice glass of beer and have a chat about a certain style. This time, as mentioned in episode 5, we are going to be talking about California common also known as steam beer, Um, one of my favourite styles. I think underrated and often overlooked, um, but definitely super important in the history of American beer and brewing. Um, It definitely holds a very special place uh, for a lot of American homebrewers and craft brewers who possibly owe um, some of their existence to this beer. So. Without further ado, let's open the um, defining example of this style the Anchor Steam Beer. Cheers, everyone. Dear God, that's refreshing. So Cali Common, California Common, where do we begin? I guess we start with the California Gold Rush, Uh, 1849, kind of just, yeah, mid-19th century there and people start digging up hunks of gold in the Californian foothills and uh, everyone wants to head out west and get a slice of the pie and um, towns are popping up overnight around this kind of prospecting boom and with towns popping up and thirsty tradesmen we need um, breweries so this really births the first wave of um, american breweries on the west coast um certainly in california state and um, a lot of them are uh, led by uh, German brewers who have immigrated. And um, of course, as you remember from our Pilsner episode on, on Czech Pils, the um, the big thing at the time in the 1840s was uh, Pilsner uh, coming out of the Czech Republic, as well as uh, Merzens and Vienna Lagers, that kind of 1842 uh, Austrian and Bavarian uh, lager boom that we had. Um, So the German brewers, of course, when they um, move to the US, bring their world-renowned lager yeasts with them. The problem is a lot of the um, lager beer brewing in Europe is facilitated by uh, ice. There's no kind of artificial refrigeration yet um, in an industrial sense. Um, Lager cellars are cooled often just by cutting uh, large blocks of ice uh, from nearby frozen lakes or streams or... um, We even have some documentation of ice being imported from Scandinavia to um, Germany and Bohemia during particularly uh, warm seasons that they had. And uh, California to my understanding tends to be pretty uh, sparse on the ice front for uh, you know all of the year um so they the german brewers uh, had to really kind of adapt and reconfigure their brewing approach so they stuck with their lager yeast they wanted to make it work but they had to ferment it at these slightly warmer temperatures closer to to ale brewing temperatures, and um, they kind of developed this approach and process to try and limit the uh, heat of of the fermenting beer. Um, As lager yeast gets really hot like that you get sulphur compounds, you get esters that you don't really want in a refreshing lager, so the idea is to keep the beer as cool as possible. So they fermented the beer in cool ships. Um, Now, coolships are mostly associated with lambic brewing from the Seine Valley and that sort of um, spontaneous brewing um, technique. Um, But back in the day, a lot of beers were cooled and sometimes fermented in um, coolships or any any kind of shallow open fermenter um, just because it allowed heat to dissipate really well during the fermentation. Um, So this kind of uh, gives rise to one of the uh, sort of main three stories around where the name Steam Beer came from. Um, the beer I'm drinking is, of course, Anchor Steam, now a trademark. There used to be several Steam Beers in the Cali Common style you could buy, but um, Anchor Brewery in San Francisco have trademarked Steam Beer, so um, that's only to be used by them, thank you very much. Um, there are some other great examples. Uh, flying Dog do one. I think it's called the uh, uh, Old Scratch Amber. Very nice. Uh, Toppling Goliath, who are mostly known for their big hazy IPAs, actually have a core uh, Cali Common. their kind of old-style lager, which is, um, is pretty widely available on draft if you're near Toppling Goliath. Um, but yeah, generally, I mean, Anchor Steam is the quintessential California Common. Um, So the first kind of story is the uh, steam beer name came about from this uh, cooling of the hot wort in cool ships so that they could get it down to fermentation temperature and and pitch their lager yeast. And, of course, the best place in San Francisco to get some nice, cool, uh, mild evening air is on the flat roof of your brewery. So these early steam brewers would have um, popped their sort of uh, shallow uh, cooling vessels um, up onto the roof of the brewery and taking advantage of the cold night air to, to cool down the uh, wort and the steam could be seen rising up from the roof of the breweries from the cool ships. That's one story. That's the story Anchor I like to stick with. Another possible um, and to me probably the most likely uh, story is that the uh, German brewers who came over mid-nineteenth century, um, were used to brewing a type of uh, sort of seasonal beer in Germany, uh, which was another sort of warm fermented lager beer called a damp beer. And a dampf beer in German literally translates as steam beer. So it's very possible that they brewed this sort of uh, similar parallel um, warm fermented lager beer and thought, this is like a damp beer. And that became anglicised uh, to steam beer. And the third story is um, to do with the kind of conditioning and serving process of this beer. So after the fermentation, when the beer was uh, finished, they would pop it in really strong, sturdy, stout casks. Stout just meaning strong, strong strong casks, strong barrels. And they would top up the barrels with um, sort of mid-process, fresh fermenting beer. Um, which was not quite finished yet, was still fermenting and the, the kind of residual fermentation in the, uh, the wort that they added to the finished beer um, is what carbonated um, the, the finished beer. It's a process from German brewing called Krausening um, because the beer you're adding, which is still fermenting is at high Krausen, which is kind of when the fermentation is at its peak. So this is kind of natural carbonation method Produce great high carbonation and and great foam and all this kind of stuff and it's still used in a lot of uh, modern lager breweries. And a lot of German brewers would still swear by this krausening method of of carbonation, Um, if only for yield, because it's very nice to be able to top up your mostly full tanks with fermenting wort to to get great volume on your tanks. Um, So you end up with this finished cask, sealed cask of really well carbonated uh, beer and then you have to um, much as you do in traditional British cask ale service you have to vent the keg before you can serve it um, so that kind of involves you're know, taking this little wooden peg and bashing it into the um, cask and um, in, a, in a British bitter or mild or stout or whatever uh, which has only 1.2 volumes of CO2 in it um this can even still at that carbonation level be a fairly uh let's say vigorous um task to to uh, pull off and you'll often get sort of gushing casks when you vent them before they're um conditioned and served um if it's a a 2.8 3 3.2 3.4 volume carbonation Krausend uh lager beer in california especially on a hot day when you uh, tap that cask to, to vent out the excess CO2 before serving, it's going to be a pretty vigorous reaction. And uh, some would tell you that the sort of hiss and spray uh, of the, the foam coming out and um, potentially even a sort of steam whistle noise as the casks were tapped uh, is what gave rise to this name of steam beer. Um, I, I'm not sure the, the viability of that um, modern legend, but I really hope it's true because it's possibly my favorite of the three stories. So we've kind of covered this slightly warmer fermentation um, and and why that came about, the, the lack of ice, the use of these cool ships to cool the work, and um, the open fermentation and the sort of wide shallow containers with a very low hydrostatic pressure as opposed to taller sort of conical vessels Means that this yeast expresses a really unique and really delicious uh, sort of flavor profile. This this Californian lager yeast, um, it's kind of developed over the last century and a bit to um, to be a fairly clean fermenter even at warm temperatures. So for a home brewer who wants to try making a lager but doesn't have uh, chilling facilities, a Californian lager yeast and a sort of steam beer recipe is a great place to start and um, and the flavor profile means it, it has this really clean wonderful uh, lager finish that sort of very um trademark lager uh, yeast profile but with some of the character and nuance and complexity of an ale yeast fermentation so it's it's not as it's not as clean and, and uh, neutral as a lager, it's not as fruity and estery and, and uh, rich as an ale yeast um, in terms of flavour-active compounds. It's striding the line somewhere between the two, um, and it's 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 really lovely. Um, one of the other main uh, components of this beer would be the uh, very specific hops which are used. Um, this comes from the kind of original steam beer recipes. It's a sort of rustic. Um, American-grown Northern Brewer hop, which of course originates from the UK. Northern Brewer is a very traditional British hop, Um, but as with many British hops, it has been transplanted to the US and grown there. Uh, For example, Willamette, um, a great kind of old-school American hop, which was used in Guinness for many years, is actually just British foggle grown in the Pacific Northwest. Um so this this northern brewer which is used fairly high as- alpha acid uh, level, about 8% alpha acid. Um so good bittering potential, uh, but it also has this really um sort of uh, recognizable uh flavor profile. Um it has these beautiful aromas of sort of mint um and menthol peppermint and this sort of woody, grassy, uh, herbal with um sort of twiggy stems and sort of interesting foresty uh, aromas and then on the palate, really nice strong bitterness actually these these beers tend to hit 30 even up to 45 ibus of bitterness um so a good firm bitterness with a nice long lingering uh, kind of bitter finish uh, which works great in tandem with that lager yeast um and then the profile, yeah, is, is the kind of minty, woody, herbal, grassy notes from the Northern Brewer hops, um, kind of uh, uh, interfacing with this uh, malt body. You can't see this beer, but it's a sort of copper colour. The SRM range for these is uh, 10 to 14 SRM, so starting at a sort of deep gold and then threw into this copper to light amber sort of colour range. Um, So much like a a Vienna lager or an international amber lager, like a Brooklyn lager, for example, um, or or a Sam Adams Boston, really in that colour range, um, but with this really unique and recognisable hot profile from the Northern Brewer, which you just don't get in those other amber lager styles. It also does drink quite similarly to uh, a sort of American amber ale, Uh, or a slightly darker uh, pale ale but the key difference there then is this sort of clean, fresh yeast profile from the lager yeast I wonder can you hear the fuzz going past the window there so um, that kind of covers some of the aromatic properties some of the uh, brewing processes of this um, beer Um, it's beautifully refreshing, that kind of Slightly um, brown bread, crust, caramel, toasty, um, malt body with that beautiful northern brewer minty hop and that sort of slightly esterific, um, slightly characterful lager yeast fermentation with a crisp carbonation on the finish. It's a really well-rounded beer. It's one of my favourite kind of easy-drinking beers, uh, which ticks a lot of boxes. Um, The other, I think, important thing to say about this would be um, the uh, Revival Um, and uh, a rescue, I guess, of this style of beer um, by one specific chap. Um, We mentioned him before on the Whitbeer episode uh, just last time, um, because, of course, we were talking about the influence of Pierre Sellis on Whitbeer and the revival of of Whitbeer in the 1960s. And kind of at the same time as that was happening in Belgium, um, a chap called Fritz Maytag in San Francisco uh, purchased for a few bucks because it was really down on its luck and it was about to go out of business. So with um, the few quid he had in his pocket, although he did come from a very wealthy family, uh, he purchased this kind of failing anchor brewery in San Fran, who were really um, notorious for brewing pretty poor quality beer and having very, pure, uh, very poor sorry uh, quality control and that kind of thing. Um, and he really wanted to revive this pre-prohibition uh, 19th century steam beer style um, and really work on the quality and the um, uh, you know the reliability of their processes and the um, consistency of their approach to get this uh, now world renowned um, Anchor Steam Beer, which is is considered the kind of pinnacle of the style. Um, and Fritz Maytag uh, purchased the Anchor Brewery in 1965. Um, although they say proudly on their label, "Made in San Francisco. since 1896," so 1896 was the the kind of OG, um, but the kind of revival and this modern classic is down to Fritz Maytag in the 1960s, 1965, and he really became a very um, uh, sort of prominent figure in American microbrewing through the, the 70s and 80s. And even people like Ken Grossman, uh, the founder of the world-renowned Sierra Nevada, one of the most influential craft breweries of all time, um, has kind of um, given dues to Fritz Maytag um, for giving him advice on how to start a brewery, how to brew, um, kind of um, being a a bit of a beacon of of wisdom and sharing his knowledge and experience with other Californian uh, brewers starting up um, in the final decades of the uh, 20th century. So perhaps without Fritz Maytag and his uh, bold revival of this uh, pre-prohibition, uh, Californian kind of warm fermented lager, we might never have had a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and if we didn't ever get Sierra Nevada Pale Ale there would be a lot of other things that we would not be drinking this day um, so a beer with real heritage and history, um, and I'd recommend looking up Fritz and looking more into his past um, and the role he played in uh, the kind of boom and birth of the American uh, microbrewing revolution of the the latter half of the 20th century. Uh, we'll finish off with some food pairing. Um, steam beer works so well with so many different foods um, because of the kind of nuance, refreshment, but still depth of flavour in this style. Um, it would be a real classic with a lot of kind of um, American-Mexican cuisine, a lot of Tex-Mex, um, you know, if you're having tacos or um, a quesadilla or, um, you know, if you're having empanadas, uh a cold glass of Anchor Steam beer is pretty hard to go wrong with in those contexts. Uh, equally, barbecue—if you're in the barbecue belt and you can get a an Anchor Steam or, or any Cali Common—this kind of uh, style works great with the carbonation and the the pretty firm bitterness cutting through the richness of uh, barbecue dishes. Um, but still, with that kind of quite deep malt complexity coming from the the caramel malts in there, and bringing a, a bit of um, kind of body which backs up the the heartiness of those dishes. Um, it also goes fabulously with um, kind of stews and those kind of things, the kind of herbal quality of the Northern Brewer hops, really hard to replicate, and it has great harmony with um, any of those kind of, you know, beef bourguignon or even like a rustic Belgian stew. It would be great with this beer. Um, almost anything that you would eat with a, a Merzen, or a Vienna lager, or those kind of beautiful continental European uh, amber lager beers, would also work fabulously with a, a California common. In terms of cheeses, I tend to like things which have a little bit of kind of bite to them, like a pepper jack would be great. A um, little bit of spice plays well with this. Um, equally, um, a nice kind of sharp cheddar would be great. Um, I would steer clear of anything kind of soft or mild. Uh, just because in terms of lagers, this is a bit punchier, high bitterness, a pretty unique uh, hop profile, um, and it can dominate sometimes because of those really recognizable flavors in there. Um, You could also go a bit curveball and try and highlight some of the kind of minty characteristics of the hops. Maybe you want to try this with like a grasshopper pie or some kind of minty dessert. Um, I think it would be awesome with Uh, say, uh, rum-soaked raspberries with uh, fresh mint and uh, fresh cream, whipped cream, something like that, which has kind of a herbal property with some acidity, would be a really interesting pairing to try out with this. Uh, Hopefully you all enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Uh, It's been a pleasure to talk to you about one of my favourite beer styles, California Common. Uh, I've got no idea what we're going to talk about next time, but if you have any uh, requests or recommendations, please do let me know. You can email me. Uh, Beeryinteresting@gmail.com, at gmail.com or uh, leave me a comment or a review on the podcast app or platform of your choice. Um, any kind of ratings or reviews are much appreciated and really help me uh, get this out to more beer fans uh, to hopefully enjoy. And if you did enjoy, uh, please do feel free to share this with anyone else you think might. Um, that's me for today. Uh, until next time, uh, this has hopefully been very interesting.